Hey, this is Mohani Love from Let's Talk About It. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. Welcome to Mohani Loves Podcast. Let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Hey, we're here with Zaria L. Banks. She's an emotional intimacy writer using a pen name and soon to be an author. She focuses on vulnerability, healthy self-expression, and nurturing intimacy in long-term relationships in an effort to promote better communication and prevent transgressions in relationships. Zaria, you're much needed in this world today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. So what what like when did this gift start? This gift of writing because everyone really can't write. There's an art to writing. And you know, when when did it start? At what age? You know what? I've been writing since a little girl, since about nine, I would say. I was, um, I would always pick up, you know, the Babysitter's Club and mm. uh, Beverly Cleary books, Ramona <laughs> and Beezus and Judy Blue. Yes, girl. And mm-hmm. I would always say, well, where's the girl that looks like me? Where's the little brown face at? Where, you know, oh. where's the girl with the cornrows and the beads? You know, mm. I never saw that. So I started writing my own series. It was called The Fly Girls. And I had it in my notebook with straight with illustrations, everything. And they were the coldest girls in the (laughs) place. And the guys would try to step to them. They didn't have no holler for them, except the main character had a love interest. And it was just a whole saga. And I started it. And from there, it was just, you know, just writing story after story that had a strong female lead that was an African-American woman. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Wow. And and how did you decide to, okay, you know, the, the emotional part, the vulnerability part, was that from a life experience or is that from something you've seen growing up? It was definitely from life experiences. I'm very, you know, candid and open on my website about how I've been through some stuff in my blogs. I talk about how I've been through some things. Um, A lot of it just stems from um, some insecurities that I had regarding, you know, just skinny, thin and got teased a lot because I didn't look like everyone else. Um, And just, you know, just other insecurities that I had. So that fed into my relationships. So I always needed like that affirmation from the person I was dating that he, you know, thought that I was beautiful, thought that, you know, I was worthy, you know, of his love. Mm. And I didn't have, um, I didn't have the wherewithal to seek relationships with 
men that were prepared to give me the level of emotional intimacy that I needed. So even though they, you know, were with me, they never told me, oh, wow, you wearing that dress or wow, you know, I love it when you wear your hair like that. So it felt like I didn't have that connection with them. Even though they were present, it didn't feel like they were present. And I didn't know how to express to them that I needed that affirmation. So that was before, you know, I learned about the love languages and all of that. So I didn't know how to express to them what my need was. So in my adult years, and as I I got married, I said, you know what? I need to start really educating women on the importance of being with someone who, um, who is affirming you and giving you everything that you need and not making you feel like you're needy if you want a compliment or two not making you feel like that and you need to be vulnerable and be able to trust to be able to feel vulnerable enough with them to open up and tell them what you need I have a question um and and I want your advice I want your in your insight on this so I have a set of twins who are 17 one of them have a girlfriend the other one doesn't but I was writing my book life and I was asking them a question about relationships and you know what he said to me I, the question was, where do you think men fall short at? Like older men who, you you know, they have experience watching relationships, including mine and the f- people in our family. And you know what he said? He doesn't think men reassure women good enough, especially when they do wrong things to them. Hmm. And I looked at him and I didn't know how to take it like and I actually mm-hmm. wrote down what he said I don't have it in front of me now but he basically was saying that when there's a um he feels what makes a woman insecure is when something's wrong or or, or, or her mate does something wrong and it's just left up in the air or they reassurance is basically what he's saying he feel men should bring to the table more in the relationship what do you think about that I mean he's 17 but wow, I just want to that's somebody you raising a nice you 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 are raising uh, an intense young man. <laughs> he's you know what he's very intense, but I, I I think maybe he got it from watching me. Their father, same thing. Yeah, not yeah. you know, I, I could put on a new dress, my hair done, and I don't hear you look nice. But the thing that people don't realize, especially raising boys and raising girls, we are their first. We're their right. examples. That's so, right. You know, That's once right. once we split up, he's out the door, you know. My boys just took it on themselves, I guess, by watching the needs that they knew I needed. That's right. And they and I think it's great. You know, yeah. but when he said that, I just thought about bringing that up when I, you know, I, I know it. what you do. I love it. You know, um so, sometimes people see things model in their home or in their life. And they can go one of two directions. Either they say, I ain't never doing that. I ain't never, I'm going to, you know, do the uh, total opposite of what I saw because it rubbed me the wrong way and I hate it. Or they mm-hmm. can say, it rubbed me the wrong way and I hate it and I'm not going to do it. But then they end up right down that path doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the awareness of it is is key, but it's what you do with that awareness is what is really going to allow you to do what you need to do. Um, when it comes to the reassurance, I, I have to say that I agree wholeheartedly. We have to consistently and constantly date the people in our lives. 
as hot. Mm-hmm. I was just me and my husband were just taking a walk earlier, um, like right before um, you called, and oh. um, we said and we agreed that you have to consistently show up in your relationship as hot and heavy as passionate as you did in the beginning you know how it is in the beginning you can't keep your hands off each other you holding hands you you you're rubbing on each other you you want to lay up under each other all the time just be around each other all the time because you're just oh I gotta get more you know Mm -hmm. and before you dig deep into who that person is as a person you're really going off of the physical attraction that's really what's pulling you in until you really get to know that person on a deeper Mm -hmm. level but -hmm. if you keep that desire and that hunger throughout your entire relationship for that person like oh how do I get to know like oh he he has this new hobby I think I want to learn more about the hobby because that's more mm-hmm. time I get to spend, spend with, him. with him or <laughs> exactly right yes. so getting that keeping that knowledge and that hunger like oh uh-uh, he's doing it I'm doing it and of course it's still very very healthy to have time apart I'm never gonna ever encourage a woman to be up under her man 24 7 but if you find that he's saying, babe, why don't you come downstairs and watch the game with me? But you're not into football. Come downstairs and watch the game. Come downstairs <laughs> and watch the game, boo. Like, that's right. <laughs> Let him teach. You see, I would go down there and say, well, can you teach me and explain to me what's going on? And every time he Please. yell, I'm going to jump up and yell too. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> we yelling. <laughs> so you yes, have to, it's yes. love. Yes. It's love. It's all yes. about love. And that that's something that I believe in some relationships, once you start to feel that dull, I, I want to, maybe I'll call it a null in a relationship, you have to spring into action. Maybe it's time for role playing. Yes, you did. Maybe, yes. you know, you what it is, because guess what? If you feel it, he feel it. Nobody's mm-hmm. saying nothing about it. And if you don't, it just makes you grow further and further apart. And you don't notice it at first because it's very incremental. It happens over time. But then you look up and you like, dang, it's a dang old huge, Hello? you know, ridge between us. Can you hear me? Now I hear you. We were disconnected uh-oh, for a uh-oh. second. Um, ladies and gentlemen, please excuse that. I don't know what's going on with the podcast. Um what I'm using with anchor. So anyway, go back to when you said, because that's what it sounds like. <laughs> no, so what happens is you get this incremental, like, you know, you like inching away from each other. It's, it's very subtle at first, but then you look up and you're like, hey, how do we end up on two opposite ends of the spectrum where I don't even feel a connection to you anymore? You can't allow those incremental changes to impact your relationship i agree you can't you got to step in before it gets to the point where you need therapy before it gets to the point where you feel like this is a stranger in your bed you can't allow that to happen well let me ask you a question what happens if you you know you have kids and you're you're tending to the kids and that actually happens how do you pull him back and if you can't what happens then what do you, you know, what would be good? You know what? I just wrote a blog about make him put his phone down. And this mm. blog was about literally, this is a very serious issue. And it was a very serious issue in my marriage where 
my husband was always on the dang on phone. He was always on the phone. He had the phone at dinner. He had the phone when we were watching TV. And it wasn't even a situation where I thought it was another woman. I never, that never crossed my mind. He just loves Twitter. He loves staying up on the news. He loves CNN. And so he was always getting alerts and tapping on them and reading and reading articles. And I just felt so disconnected from him. I was like, why is this phone more important than me? How is that more important than quality time with me? And so I made it known that it was an issue. And he kept saying he was going to, oh, I'm sorry, babe. I'm sorry. I'm going to put it down. But it was almost like an addiction where he just could not put the phone down. So I did some research and I found out that the average cell phone usage is 10 hours a day. And that people (laughs) check their phone 96 times a day. That's like every 10 minutes. But you know your phone, your phone actually will tell you now. At least iPhones do. Mine's do. How much screen time you yes, have during the week? It does, and I it does. Know, I look and say, uh oh. Yeah, but what I, happens if you have an addiction and it's like, okay, I know I gotta stop, but what am I gonna do? Like the social media alerts and the news and what's popping and what's happening and I got FOMO because I'm a millennial and I don't like missing out on stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a generation Xer. He's a little younger than me, so I always tease him about being a millennial. But like, I feel like technology and screens are costing us way more than we can afford to pay. It's damaging our relationships. It's causing depression. So I had to address it, and I had to sit him down. It wasn't just a couple mentions. It was like literally months after I had said something, I sat him down. This is a mm. problem. Do we need to go see someone? <laughs> Do we need to go to therapy? <laughs> and it feels so silly because it's like it's a phone. But I really felt like, do we need to bring a third party in? Because I don't like coming second to nothing, let alone a screen. And if whoever mm. you're texting or whoever you DM in or whoever you, whatever website you're on, if that's before me, that's a problem. Mm-hmm. Same thing with kids. He felt like you should fix my plate before the kids play. And I said, excuse me, sir. Okay, so see that. Okay, so let's talk about that plate thing. Let's let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. So I'll tell you that in one of my books, uh, it might be in broken pieces. I talked about put the cell phone down, especially at the table. And um I had an experience uh years ago. I remember calling my brother-in-law, right? And when his wife answered, she said, oh, he's eating right now. He'll get back to you. And I was, I didn't even understand, like, I can't talk. I had to wait. So she knew how to mm-hmm. shut mm-hmm. that down. It's dinner time. And I was mm-hmm. like, oh, okay. And after I hung up, I me, you know, I was married going, dang, I just go, he go the phone. He be chewing. Hello? <laughs> you understand? So, I was like, oh, that's what you're supposed to do? But they were much older. You know what I mean? Mm. And I said, okay. But then now, like, you know, when I wrote the book, I I thought about how with the phone down, you can converse at the table. You can talk to your kids. You can find out what's going on. How are you? How was your day? And guess what? We see the example in so many movies we watch. When the family sit down, it's always weird. Always where the conversations happen. Even if somebody mm-hmm. get upset and slam they fool down and walk away, they have no phones. <laughs> Except, right. you know, today you see the teens with the phones. 
But um, that's that's very interesting. But how did he adapt to that? Like, what was his first reaction to the put the phone down thing? You know what? So before I get to that, I want to address something you <laughs> just hit on. It was so important. The um, first thing you said was boundaries. Yeah. You talked about how his wife was setting the boundaries. She yes, said, there will be no phone at the dinner table, honey. Mm-hmm. This is my time. Mm-hmm. And if somebody calls, I'm picking up the phone. And I'm letting them yeah. know. If you can't, I will. I'm letting them know they need to call you back. And That's he didn't even one. in the background, nothing. He didn't say nothing <laughs> in the background. <laughs> he, didn't he didn't even, no. <laughs> it's true. That's number one. Number two is, it's all about being present. You have to be there. You got to be present. You have to be present. Like, for example, I would always be like, okay, yep, boo time. We got to sit on the couch. We got to Netflix and chill, hang out. Mm -hmm. Yes. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, yeah, we got our time in. Great. But that wasn't time for me. It was sitting and looking at a screen. We We might laugh together or we might be like, oh, did you see that? But it's not quality time. So what I had to end up was I had to let him know, I need you to put the phone down and I need, let's do some Scrabble. You know, in my book, mm. in my book that's coming out in February, I talk about Scrabble being a, a kind of like an aphrodisiac because my main character was attracted to intellectual Man. Uh-huh. stimulation in her man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I am too. And so I was mm-hmm. like, let's do some Scrabble. Let me see them big words on the table, baby. Put them on the board. <laughs> I love stuff like that. I love the connection. I love the conversation. Let's go for a walk. Let's mm-hmm. let's spend some time. Let's let's talk. window shop and pretend. Let's window shop. Yes. And pretend. Let's mm-hmm. make it till we make it. Let's go in the in the store. <laughs> look at some some red bottoms or some movados or whatever. <laughs> yes. And then we can actually come in this boy and buy them. Yes. You know so. For me, that was that was how I had to connect with him. Like I said, you know, I feel like I'm second, coming second to your phone. And I know, look, I'm a jealous Libra. Okay. Mm. I'm super jealous. <laughs> I don't like splitting my time. I like balance. My scales gotta be balanced. So when I feel like you're not um you're not paying attention to me and I would literally what I think what did it for me was I, I would be having a co- a conversation with him. I'd be talking. He was tuning me out <laughs> to what was on his screen. So then that's where it got personal for me. To me, I feel like I, I'm an outsider. Mm. And when I made it that, when I broke it down, he said, babe, I would never want you to feel like that. I'm so sorry. Look, I'm going to leave the phone in the office. When we, when we sit down in the kitchen, it's going to be all the way two rooms away. And oh. he made that a habit. And then, you know, every once in a while he'll slip up and he'll be like, I'm sorry. And they'll put the, you know, he'll put it down or he'll, but it, it really works. You just, it's communication. It's me being vulnerable. Yes, I, I might sound a little crazy saying I'm jealous of your phone, but no, you if, I'm, if I'm able to be vulnerable and trust you enough to be vulnerable to tell you that's how I feel, I'm trusting you not to judge me when I'm telling you something that's real. Mm. And emotional intimacy gives you the ability to do that. I don't care about, you know, you judging me or how I'm going to see. I'm telling you because I trust you to know that if I'm coming to you with this, it means something to me. And that's it. 
do you believe that when you pick your mate, because, you know, even though you believe that two people pick each other, you understand? Yeah. The reason why I say that is because you can see a man you want and don't matter. If you pick him and he don't pick you, it's not happening. Right. Um, but do you believe that um, how they were brought up matters? Two-parent household, uh, one-parent household. Like, if you're a two-parent household and he comes from a one-parent household, mm-hmm. do, you, do you feel as though that that has an impact on your relationship a negative way or do you think it could be made a positive way you know what I mean like how could that does that impact your relationship <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I I definitely think it does um so mm-hmm. back to the same point of if you if you raise in a house with an alcoholic mm. you could either say I never taken a sip because I see what it what addiction has done and it may be in my genes or I might you know slip up and and end up in that path or you can mm-hmm. look up and be an alcoholic soon as you turn 21 or before. So mm-hmm. if you see something happening in your household that you're not okay with, mm-hmm. it's all about having that active choice to say, Mm-mm, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing this right here. This is not going to be for me. And the second I do see myself going down that road, mm-hmm. I'm going to get therapy. Or I'm going to get help for it because I don't want them to feel the way that I felt or I had to see my mother being treated. Mm-hmm. You know, your son was like, I, you know, I noticed that dad wasn't giving the compliments and she was I saw the, the effort she put into how she looked and how she spent six hours at a salon because you know back in the day day it was like that's how it was <laughs> <laughs> yes now it's like look you need to have me in and out in 90 minutes <laughs> I got something to do but <laughs> I saw how she was in a salon for six hours I saw that and dad ain't even giving her her props right now and I, I'm not okay with that so when I start dating I'm gonna make sure that my mm-hmm. woman you know gets I'm gonna give her flowers while she's here. I'm gonna give her flowers right now because I I need her to know I appreciate her. So, yes, how you're brought up matters. Um, I think that I know for me particularly when it comes to my husband, you know, with him being brought up in a in a single with a single mom, I had mm-hmm. to really have compassion for him because some of the things that he was um, experiencing once we had children, like it was like for the first time. Like there was mm. no, oh, my dad showed me this and my dad already talked to me about this. And so I'm going to call him up. He, he wasn't there. So mm. I had to have compassion and show up for him in a supportive way where if he got it wrong, look, babe, I'm going to pull you to the side and say, babe, look, I know that you, you know, didn't maybe didn't have that model, but you can't, you can't, or you can't, you know what I mean? Th- that's not the way you approach it or he's going to need more from you. For, was he receptive? You, you gotta show him that. Oh, 100%. 100%. Yeah, 100%. You know, not being able to see how it, it's modeled, but then being open to say, you know what, if she says it's an issue, it's an issue, we gonna put that at the front. That's a that's a number one priority. That's how the minute he tell me anything, honey. Oh, uh, I see you wearing them um leggings for the second day in a row, honey. I'm going <laughs> upstairs and getting in the shower, and the leggings gonna be in the hamper, and I'm gonna be back in something cute because he done he spoke it out and said, I see you wearing them leggings. Okay, mm-hmm, you tired of mm-hmm. seeing the leggings? Mm-hmm. I, all right, you tired <laughs> of seeing the leggings? Just like I'm like, oh, they might be time for a shave. I look up, he freshly shaved. Like, like those subliminals, just... <laughs> those subliminals work. 
And you know, you can't they, always, you know, it's 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 not always that easy. But I'm just saying if they're if they're vocalizing it, then pay attention. Well, you he's the one for you. You oh, feel yeah. that in your heart? Like he it's not your soulmate. soulmate. Oh yeah! Mm-hmm. Oh Beautiful. yeah! Definitely, definitely. Well, I'll, I'll give you the soulmate test, right? Because uh, I, I watched my parents do this for years. I always wanted to do it. Haven't met a man to do it with yet. So uh, he's coming. They can, they can finish. Yes, he is. They can finish. <laughs> they can finish each other's sentence. Oof! And this was amazing to me. I remember I would, my mother would be in the kitchen, my father would be in the bedroom. I'll say something to my mother and she'll answer me. And then I'll go say the same thing to him. And he give me the same answer. And I go, wait, you heard her? <laughs> and he looks at me and he's like, heard who? So they really were in sync with each other. They were soulmates. And mm. it doesn't mean because you can't do that. It's not your soulmate. Right. Because um, everybody have time to work at it. We're talking about two people who met at 16 years old and they're 75. Yes. Come on. That's. Yes. You, that is good. Yes. It, that's putting work in. So, but but remember, that's that old school love. Mm-hmm. Today, it's reinvented love. I don't know what, I mean, I'm not going to say that. It, it's just a different kind of love. It's you a different want- kind of love that they don't make no more, but we got to bring it back like a throwback. Yes, we, we do. Go retro on them. But you know what? And something that you said that really hit with me, um, you had mentioned about they finish each other's sentences, but what about what about when they see something in you or something you need to do or something that they advocate for you when you can't? Yes. What about when you reach that level? Yes. What about when you are running yourself in the ground, you're tired as a dog, you keep pushing yourself because, you know, as a woman, you know, we last on the totem pole every time. <laughs> every time. And he like, babe, I, I made a reservation at the massage, you know, parlor for you. And uh, go ahead, just take the rest of the weekend or the rest of the evening off. I got the kids or I, you know, I scheduled a couple's massage or, or, and you ain't even got to open your mouth. They just know they're able to advocate for you and say, Mm-mm, this stops here. Mm-hmm. What you're not going to do is continue to run yourself in the ground. What you're not going to do is continue to do that negative self-talk about my boo. You know what? I, I, I love you and you ain't going to talk about you like that. That's my. That was my parents, but I'll tell you this though. We just need more men who know how to preserve their woman. And the reason why I say that because as women, when we love our man, we go in. We go all in. At least I believe 80% women. I hope I hope so. But it's the preservation of each other too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And um absolutely. I know that you know we we we're, we're winding down. 27 minutes to be here, but this is what I want to tell you. I want to invite you to my YouTube channel to go live with me. It'll be in the evening so we can really have that girl talk. Yes. And I invite my audience and listeners to chime in, pop in. And Zaria, this has been a phenomenal interview. And thank, thank you, you so much for inter- interviewing with me on Let's Talk About It with Mohani Love. And never forget that I love you. Zaria? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was your outro. Okay. Girl. I it, was, it, was, your shine, it was my, it was my, it was my outro. But I wanted to hear you say, 
Okay, bye. <laughs> and thank you for sharing your platform with me. I appreciate you. I love you, girl. www.zarialbanks.com Yes. yes. <laughs> Enjoy love. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>